Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're with us today and ready to study the Bible. And that's what we do for 30 minutes each week is try to learn a little bit more about the Bible. Uh, a lot of TV programs talk about the Bible and uh, maybe give you a sermon or tell you what they think you need to know on Know Your Bible. We ask you what you'd like to know. And uh, if you've got a question or something you've always wondered about in the Bible, uh, just use the phone number or the website on the screen and get in touch with us. Tell us what you'd like us to talk about. You direct the program on Know Your Bible. And my partner Toby Levering and I will try to answer those questions. So we're glad you're with us today. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. We're studied up and ready to go here. And uh, we always start with one for our viewers. So you get the first question today. And I imagine most everybody knows this, but we'll see. In what city was Jesus born? And we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. See if you know that little bit of Bible trivia. All right, I think you got the first one, and you got a big one here. What do we, yeah. what, what do we need to know to get ready? <laughs> the question is, what are the last signs before the coming of Christ? Uh, there's been a lot of uh, time and, and a lot of books written, a lot of books sold, a lot of movies made about the supposed last signs of the coming of Jesus. And a lot of that has to do with uh, interpreting, interpreting certain scriptures especially from Revelation through a certain viewpoint, uh, through a certain uh, way of thinking. And uh, on Know Your Bible, we just simply go to the Bible, to what Jesus said in regard to about his return. And he spoke about that. And he was very, very frank about it as far as the last day, when Jesus returns for the, the final time at the end of time, at least here on earth, uh, he is going to come in such a way that it will be unexpected. Uh, there will really be no signs. And we're, in fact, encouraged to live in such a way as so we are ready. Uh, in fact, I was reading this morning in my Bible reading, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 40. This won't be on the screen, but you can look it up at home. Uh, Jesus said, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect him. Uh, that's the point. Uh, we, I think, give far too much time and attention into trying to figure out the signs and the, the news events of the day and, and how those translate into biblical prophecy. And, and all of that, I think, is wasted energy when Jesus said, there are not going to be any signs. It, Jesus is going to come at a time when you don't expect him. So the only w thing you can do, the only reasonable response is to live in such a way as that you are ready for his return. Let's look at one final scripture, which will be on the screen, Matthew 24, uh, 42 and following. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake, would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. 
Uh, we do not know when Jesus will return, and as such, we don't really have any uh, strong signs of when that might be. We need to be ready. All right. Thank you, Toby. A uh, question about marijuana, and we get questions about marijuana occasionally. This viewer says, you didn't go far enough on marijuana and say that it was definitely a sin. So in the past few weeks, I assume we had a question about marijuana, and I don't know which one it was for sure. We've had a number over the years, and uh, I'm sure we said that the Bible doesn't mention marijuana. I'm sure we said the Bible does say don't get drunk on wine. Uh, don't be controlled by anything. Don't let anything control you. Uh, you control yourself. And we, we show you those kind of scriptures. Uh, but this viewer wants us to go a little further and say that marijuana use is definitely a sin. And unfortunately, we can't comply with that viewer's request. Uh, we have to consider the whole picture of what really the Bible says uh, there are a few things that are always a sin, always, any place, any time, no reason. Uh, you can't think of many good excuses for murder or stealing or things like that. Those are sins. Uh, but most things uh, are, and I hate to use the word situation, but it, it is kind of situational. Uh, for instance, marijuana. To say that it is always a sin to inhale or use or take the cannabis drug in any form, uh, there are medicinal purposes for it. Uh, and I agree, our country's gone completely over the cliff on what they call medical marijuana. Uh, but from what I've read, marijuana does relieve some kinds of cancer pain and uh, does help with some kinds of vision problems and all that. Uh, so if a doctor prescribes it and the, the chemicals in it do help someone, um, we can't say that is a sin. Uh, I agree. If it's illegal where you live, uh, using it is a sin. Uh, if you're controlled by it, uh, if it causes you to harm others, it causes you to be a bad steward, uh, waste your money, there's all sorts of reasons. It's sinful. Uh, but to say like this viewer wants, it's definitely a sin. Uh, we just can't quite do that from the Bible. Uh, marijuana use for recreational purposes is the term today. Certainly not wise, something not a Christian would want to do. It's bad for our influence. It's bad for our health. It's all sorts of reasons. Uh, but there are some instances when use of marijuana probably not a sin. So that's why we explain it the way we do, and I hope our viewer understands that. Uh, Certainly not a good idea, and stay as far away from it as you can. <laughs> All right. Uh, next uh, question the viewer asks is, do you believe in being born again? Uh, well, that phrase, being born again, is one that maybe you'll hear from religious people. And if you're sitting home, maybe you kind of wondered about that. What does that mean? Um, if you think of, of what happens when a person is born, a new life is created. A new life begins. And uh, Jesus talked about, he said, it is impossible uh, to enter the kingdom of God unless one is born again. And that's a curious statement because how can possibly, how can anyone be go through that process again? What Jesus is talking about is uh, just as you came into this life through the process of being born, you must be reborn, born of the spirit. Jesus said born of the water and the Spirit, 
And that's the process of, or that's what it means to be born again. And uh, Jesus was very clear that that was something that was necessary to be within the kingdom of God. Uh, whether or not we believe it or not is not uh, a matter of consequence. It, what matters is, what did Jesus say about it? And so let's look at what Jesus said, uh, John chapter 3, uh, verses 3 and following. Jesus answered him, and he's speaking here to Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, the, the idea of being born again is clearly something that Jesus said was necessary. Um, and how we understand that, of course, we believe that new birth begins when one is baptized, when you're immersed uh, in water uh, for the forgiveness of your sins. And Peter said when that happens, you not only receive the gift of the forgiveness of your sins, but you also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, of God within you. And that is when that process starts. So, yes, it is necessary, and yes, Jesus said it was required as a part of uh, the beginning of your journey in the kingdom of God. All right. Let's take this moment to talk about a good way to study the Bible. We study it with you for a few minutes each week, but we believe that uh, Scripture is inspired by God and that it's got everything we need in it for life and godliness is what the book claims itself. So we advocate home Bible study, and we've got a number of courses that are a good way to study the Bible, and we offer those to you each week free of charge. Uh, this is our introductory set you see on the screen right now, and you see the first two lessons of the Old Testament, the New Testament. That's where it starts. That helps you understand the two big parts of the Bible. Then we've got more advanced courses or extra courses. There are four of them that you can go through, uh, and some of them are a lot of lessons, and some of them are not too many, but they're all excellent uh, Bible study tools, uh, not denominational in any way. They just teach the Bible. So uh, we offer those to you. There's a phone number and a website on the screen. You can use those anytime. Just tell us, I want that free course. Uh, we'll send you the first one. You try it, see how you like it. Uh, if you don't find it helpful, that's fine. You can just quit anytime and we won't bother you in any way. Uh, but if you want to keep studying, we can help you study the Bible for a long time with Know Your Bible Study Tools. So give us a call or log on and we'll get it started for you. A question about Bible translations. Toby, a viewer says, how important is it to have the right translation of the Bible? Well, uh, let me answer it this way, and I'll probably get a little... You've got to listen carefully to what I'm saying now because some people put great importance on having the right translation of the Bible. Uh, some people believe that this is the only translation you should study from. and If you use anything else, you're going to mess up somehow. Uh, my answer is it depends on what you're doing. Uh, if you are a serious, serious Bible student and you want to understand the, the depths of every passage and take a word that Jesus says maybe and study it all through the Bible, see how other people use that word and exactly the, the depth of the meaning of that word, uh, then you're going to want the most literal translation you can get. In fact, if you're really going to do that, you'll want some Greek and Hebrew helps. Uh, maybe you'll want to learn Greek and Hebrew yourself so you can make sure you get it right. 
Obviously, all of that takes a lot of time and a lot of study. Um, but if you're just wanting to know what the Bible story is, want to know what it's about, uh, it's not that important what translation you use. Now, I'll qualify that in a minute, so don't get nervous. Uh, but just to get a Bible and read it. It's more important to read it uh, than it is to worry about what is the right translation. Uh, there are a few you need to stay away from, and I will admit that. Uh, there are some that are done with a purpose in mind to support a certain doctrine. Uh, the New World Translation that's done by the Jehovah's Witness Organization uh, they produced it for themselves because they have a doctrine that's not biblical and the Bible doesn't support it. So they put out a translation of the Bible that does support. Uh, they didn't translate some words, they just changed them. Uh, their Bible says Jesus was a God, not Jesus was God. Uh, they don't believe that Jesus was God, so they had to change the Bible a little bit. So I'd stay away from translations like that. Uh, but other than that, most translations have the basic Bible story in it. Uh, and read through it, see if you understand it. To get If you can't get it, get a little uh, uh, easier to read translation. Uh, might look that up online, ask about it. what grade level is the reading level in this Bible. Uh, there's some things like the simple English Bible and uh, can't think of any others right now, but some that are done at a very low reading level, third grade or fourth grade, seventh grade, uh, like that. So they're easy to understand. And you can get the Bible message out of almost any of them. Uh, so we always recommend uh, the New American Standard is a very literal, good translation, fairly easy to read. Uh, the English Standard Version is one that we like that's... Uh, good literal translation. Uh, one that I've just recently looked into a little bit and heard about is the New Living Translation. Uh, it's apparently very well done and pretty easy to read and uh, pretty good scholarship. So uh, there's a number of good ones that we recommend. The King James, of course, is the old standby that lots of older Christians grew up learning and memorizing and it's special to them. Uh, it's a good, solid translation, but it's in 500-year-old English, so it's a little bit hard to understand sometimes. So uh, any of those are good, and you can get the Bible story out of them. So I hope I haven't waffled around here too much. How important is it to have the right translation? Uh, there's not a right translation. All translations have a flaw or two in them. Uh, some are better than others. The main difference is some are a lot more uh, literal and exacting to the original language, and some are easier to read. So uh, the important thing is to read your Bible, and when you develop into a serious scholar, then you can get all the lexicons and Greek dictionaries and all the helps you want and figure out exactly what every word means. So it's important, but the main thing is read the Bible. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that last part is especially important. If someone's out there, they haven't read their Bible, they find it very intimidating, and, and then they get caught into which translation and all of that. Just 
you know, start <laughs> and begin by reading God's Word. And if you find a better translation along the way, that's wonderful. But, you know, the important thing is most, uh, as you said, most of the major English translations are, are pretty accurate and, and uh, will lead a person to what God wants for them. So the next question is, does the possibility exist that any part of the resurrection will be a new earth resurrection? All right, well, this is a, a serious student of the Bible. They obviously want to know about uh, when Jesus, uh, when we are at the end of time and uh, those who are in Christ are um, resurrected and uh, we understand that they're going to be with the, the Lord and uh, they want to know about the earth. Uh, will there, will this world that we live in now uh, be changed will we bring you might hear the phrase bringing heaven to earth and i I think there's always a possibility uh, god can do as he wishes Uh, but based on the very few clues that the bible gives us i believe this world and the world to come are two very different places this world was created by god and it's beautiful and it's wonderful uh, but sin has entered into it, uh, and there's a, a fallen part of all of it. It's not, in t- it's not like it was in the very beginning. And uh, this person wants to know, well, will that, will that change? Will God bring life back to it and, and make it perfect again and, and make this world uh, utopia? Again, God obviously can do as he wishes, and I don't, wouldn't in any way say that he couldn't uh, but on the few bible verses we have uh, it just seems like this world is a temporary place that's going to be destroyed and uh, we will be taken to a different place in john chapter 14 jesus said to his disciples this will not be on your screen but you can follow along at home my father's house has many rooms if that were not so i would have told you uh, I, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Uh, to me, as I read John 14, 2 and 3, which is Jesus just speaking about where he's headed after he dies, uh, I think they're very different places. And, and I think he desires not that we stay here in this world but that we're prepared for the world to come. There's an old hymn that goes, This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And, uh, of course, that's not scripture, but that's a a beautiful sentiment. Uh, Ultimately, how it all ends up is that we uh, will end up with the Lord if we're in Christ. Uh, We need to be ready, though. Let's look at 2 Peter 3, 10 and 11 on the screen. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Uh, As I view it, scriptures say this world is not a a permanent place and was not designed to be. Uh, But, of course, God can do as he wishes. I hope that's helpful. All righty, thank you. Uh, i got a question about Revelation. What is the thousand years in Revelation 20 if there's no literal thousand-year reign? Well, this viewer's obviously watched us, and we've had questions. We get a lot of questions about Revelation. People are intrigued with it for some reason. Uh, and we 
usually say the thousand years is not a literal thousand year reign. And this viewer says, well, then what is it? Uh, so let's see if we can answer that very quickly. Let's go to Revelation 26. There's only a few places where the thousand years is mentioned, and most of them are in Revelation 20. And here's verse 6. They shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. All right, so premillennial doctrine and the Left Behind series and all that teaches that there's going to be a, a Jesus is coming back. Well, he's going to rapture people, and he's going to come back after a while, and he's going to reign on earth for a thousand years. So they take that literally. Uh, now, it's interesting as they read Revelation that almost everything else uh, is symbolic. Uh, when they come to the dragon, they say, well, the dragon is like so-and-so. Uh, when they come to uh, the bowls, seven bowls, well, these bowls are like. They represent, uh, when they talk about the white horse, the white horse is like. It represents. But when they come to the thousand years, they say, well, that's a thousand years. That's literal. And so that's one of the tricks of Revelation is deciding what's literal and what's symbolic. Uh, so this viewer said, if it's not a literal thousand years, what is it? Well, we believe it is a, just a term for a long time, a long period of time, and we don't know how long that period is. And the clue is it says that Jesus will reign for a thousand years. Now, if we could figure out when Jesus starts reigning, maybe we could figure out what a thousand years is. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20 to 23. This is Paul talking about Jesus and it says, He, God, raised him, Jesus, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. You notice those all past tense there. Uh, Paul says God elevated Jesus to, to, to heaven. He sits at his right hand, and he's reigning. He's over all things. Everything is under him. He is reigning now. Uh, 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are all priests. Christians are priests. We reign with him. So since he's reigning, we believe we are in the thousand-year period. It's a long time. Right now it's been almost 2,000 years. Uh, if Jesus started reigning in around 30 A.D., uh, well, it's been 1,988 years, I guess, or something like that. Uh, so the thousand years is at least 1,988 years, and it looks like it may be a few more. So uh, with, that's what we think it is. It uh, represents a long term, and God thinks that way. Uh, he uses symbolic language like that for uh, long periods of time or short periods of time, and uh, we believe that's what it is. So hope that answers your question. Take just a moment to talk about a good way to uh, worship in the area you live in. If you don't have a church home, we like to recommend a few of the supporters of Know Your Bible. Uh, and if you're watching this up in the Sioux Falls, South Dakota area, uh, we'll tell you about one of our partners up there, the Southeastern Church of Christ, uh, located there in Sioux Falls. Great supporters of this program and uh, handle a lot of our uh, represent, uh, represent the program up there with the courses and uh, 
a lot of things that we do. Uh, if you're looking for a church home, drop in and visit them. You'd be warmly welcome. Uh, maybe you know somebody that attends that church. If you do, tell them, hey, I saw you all know your Bible. I appreciate the program, and thanks for helping support it. So visit that Church of Christ or any Church of Christ near you, wherever you live. All right, Toby, who created God? Oh, yeah, this will be a simple <laughs> one to handle here in a couple of minutes. Uh, who created God is the is the question, and the answer of, is, of course, that no one created God. God is not a created being. God is the creator. Some people, well, I mean, to, to be quite honest, it's hard for us to really imagine everything that we see in this world and everything that uh, we can look around, even people we understand have a beginning and an end, a, a, a creator in some cases. Someone made that or formed that. Uh, but God is an eternal, uncreated being without beginning and without end. He always has been. He will be forever, and he will continue forever and ever. Uh, the scriptures uh, are clear about this, and we may not fully understand it, but the Bible is clear that God is not a created being. He is beyond time and outside of the limits of time. Let's read Psalm chapter 90, verses 1 and 2. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or, uh, born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And Jesus would later say, I am the... Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am, uh, in other words, saying before everything began, I was, and after everything ends, I will be. So uh, God is not a created being, and as such, no one created him. I hope that's helpful. All right. We have a programming request here. A viewer says they would like us to say the Lord's Prayer on the program. Uh, I don't know if they mean they'd like us to say it once or make it a regular part of the program, but uh, let me say it this way. Uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer is actually the disciples' prayer. They ask him how to pray, and Jesus said, well, when you pray, pray like this. And he gave them a model prayer. It's got the things in it that a prayer ought to have in it. Uh, he didn't say, always pray like this, or this is a ritual prayer that you have to say every time you get together or anything like that. And there is a little danger in thinking that way about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, if we make it into a rote thing that we repeat all the time and it's always a part of worship or always a part of uh, a TV program or whatever, uh, it can possibly get to where it's, we're just saying the words and we're not really thinking about it. Uh, we like to think of it as a model prayer. Uh, it's got the pieces and parts of what a good prayer ought to have in it, and uh, we should study it that way, and it's certainly all right to say it, uh, but we probably won't make it a regular part of our program. Mm -hmm. All right, let me take just a moment and get the trivia question uh, covered. It was about where Jesus was born, and I bet we had a pretty high score on this one. Uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth, but he was born in the city of Bethlehem. Uh, because that was what was prophesied, and that's where it was supposed to happen, and it did happen. So hopefully you got that one right, and uh, hopefully we got most of ours right today, Toby. Hope we, hope I we, think I got mine right. <laughs> All right, we did good then. <laughs> but we're going to be back next week and answer some more of your questions for you on Know Your Bible. Haven't signed up for those study courses yet. Today would be a good day to do that. Log on and get them started, and we'll get them coming to you. Glad you've been with us today, and see you next week.
Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.